Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Tim McGraw, bringing it to us, angry all the time. How many of you ever heard it? Interesting song written back in 1992. Tim McGraw brought it back up. It's a song about a man who cannot stay with his wife any longer. He leaves home because she is angry all the time. If you go on to listen to the rest of the words of the song, it talks about the fact she didn't, wasn't always that way. He even says in the song that I hope that our four kids could know the woman that she was prior to life dealing her the blows that it dealt her and the choices she made to let herself go south with her emotions or her attitude. And the song basically says, I love you, I just can't live with an angry woman. Now, just so you women will relax a minute because you're thinking, I'll tell you, if he goes there this morning, he's going to see some angry up in here. If I were to ask 100 of you women, describe for me your husbands with one word, a lot of you would use the word angry. Some of you would say he's generous, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's a hard worker, he's a provider. There's a lot of women in here. If you were to describe your husbands in this season or in this stage of their life, you'd say he, he's angry. Now, let me just share with you that I don't believe that any woman in here started out that way. I don't believe that any man in a relationship started out that way because, number one, you wouldn't be in that relationship. You don't sell yourself with angry and unhappy. You sold yourself with who you were at the time that you met that individual at a different season in your life, before life had beat you down, before some things have happened, before your hearts have been broken, before your, da- your dreams have been dashed. Because, you see, when you saw that individual across the room, you didn't say, woo-hoo, man, I looked across the room and what got my attention was how angry they were. <laughs> then I walked over to them, looked in their deep, dark, blue, unhappy eyes, and I was hooked. You never see a website that says angryandunhappyonly.com. Nobody, nobody's going to go there. See, I see the biggest danger with us giving up too soon is that rarely do you give up on a dream. Rarely do you give up on a relationship. Rarely do you give up on your hope for a future or your life ever getting better without letting the poisonous root of bitterness invade your soul. And when you do, listen to me, it will sabotage everything in your life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15b says this, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, and read the last two words. Or another way to put it is contaminating others. So anytime that you allow bitterness into your heart or into your soul, that root coming in there, and it always comes to the fact you gave up on something. I don't like men. I hate all men. There ain't nobody good out there. Well, I can't trust a woman. All women lie. Everybody, I'm just waiting for the next person that's going to come to me and tell me a lie. You know, that's what David said. David said, I decided in my heart that all men were liars. And when you make a decision like that, when you allow bitterness to come in, because something has happened to you in the past, it will contaminate 
your relationships with everybody else. And you wonder why you can't have a wonderful relationship. How come nobody comes? There's no good men in Korean jail. All these kind of things come out of a mouth, of a heart, of bitterness. Now, bitterness is this on the side screen. Bitterness is holding on to or showing feelings of intense animosity, hatred, anger, resentment, or vindictiveness. Notice what Cambridge says about uh, bitterness on the next screen. It says this. It says, someone who is bitter is angry and unhappy because they cannot forget the bad or the unfair things that they think happened to them. Well, one of the examples in the Bible that we have concerning a person that became bitter and was able to be healed from it uh, was the example of Naomi. Now, Naomi's Wonderful woman in the Old Testament. Four chapters out of the book of Ruth tell all about her story. She was married. She had two sons, and her husband and family decided they were going to move from Judah, which was where all of her extended family was, to a place where they didn't know anybody, a land called Moab, and they were going to go there for work. They were going to go there for prosperity. And while uh, they are there, their sons marry, her sons marry two Moabite women. And these two women are some of the greatest daughter-in-law she could have. So now she extended her family by two daughters. So she has two sons and really two daughters that loved her and cared for her. And everything was going right. Matter of fact, she says later, when I left Judah, I left full. I left happy. Everything was going wonderful. My husband, my sons were healthy. We're doing great. Then out of nowhere, her husband dies. In a land that is foreign to her, her husband dies. Well, she decides to stay there, not to move back with extended family to be cared for because she has two living sons and their wives. And they're like, you know, mom, stay with us. Everything's going to be fine. We'll, we'll get through this together. And then both of her sons die. And now she is a land with no husband and no sons, nothing left. And she decides she's going to move back to Judah with absolutely nothing. And her two daughter-in-laws are going to go along with her. And as they start to go with her, Naomi stops him and says, don't come with me. You stay here with your families. You stay here with your, your, your people. Let me go by myself. Well, one of them decides to go back, and Ruth says this. Ruth, Ruth says to Naomi, Ruth says, your people are going to be my people, and where you go, I'm going to go, and your God is going to be my God. Well, Naomi didn't argue with Ruth. He could see that Ruth was determined that Ruth was going to go with Naomi, so they went on back to her homeland. And when they saw her, the family, the extended family, took, took into Naomi and and they began to call her, and Naomi, sit down. Naomi, come over and have some coffee. And Naomi, Naomi was reminded that every time that they said her name, her name meant my joy. So my joy, come have a cup of coffee with me. My joy, sit down and have something to eat. My joy, come over. Don't call me that anymore, she said. She said, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She said, call me angry and unhappy. She probably didn't have to tell them that. They could probably see it all over her demeanor. But every time they tried to call her my joy, she said, no, no, no. You call me angry and unhappy. Because at one time in my life, there was joy. But that was all taken away. Because of circumstances, because of situations, and because of, what's this word? A series of losses. A series of losses caused her to change her name. Listen. Never allow a series of losses in this life cause you to change the person that God created you to be. And it is easy to do. Naomi was no wimp, y'all. 
She moved away from everybody she ever knew. Everything was going wonderful for her. She had two healthy sons and now two daughter-in-laws, and life was good. And then a series of events hit this woman, and she allowed that which was on the outside to leak into the inside. You, you and I can't help that, you know. You and I can't help somebody dying in our life. You and I can't help decisions or, uh, that somebody else makes, choices that somebody else might make that affects you. You and I can't decide what's going to happen in the economy, who's going to be the next president, what's going to happen in our community, who this person or that person decides that they're going to be with or not be with. You can't decide for somebody else that they're not going to break your heart, that they're not going to lie to you, that they're not going to deceive you. You can't decide any of that. But when all of those situations and circumstances are happening around you, you can decide none of it is going to get inside of you. And that's what the Bible says. Watch out. Be warned that no root of poison gets inside of you. And Naomi lost her husband. She lost her two sons. She lost everything she had. She's older now and needs to be taken care of. She's heading back home by herself, and Ruth goes with her. Uh, that's a lot, wouldn't you say? But a lot of you have been through a lot too, haven't you? Can we, can we just talk a minute? Has anybody in here been through a lot? Have you ever had your hopes and dreams dashed? Have you ever thought somebody was going to be there forever? You grow old with somebody and travel and have vacations and laugh and hit that good stage of life and all of a sudden somebody gets sick, somebody dies. Somebody's not here anymore. You had promises that were told to you at an altar that you thought was really serious and would last forever, and all of a sudden those promises were broken, not just once, but again and again and again until finally. Or somebody else in your life allowed bitterness on the outside to creep into them, and it's contaminating you, and you can't live that way anymore. Hmm. So let me ask you a question. A lot happened to Ruth, but has a lot happened to you too? I mean, just nod at me. You don't have to go crazy on it, but just give me a nod, all right? Have you noticed, though, when you look around the room that some of us are fine and moving forward? And have you also noticed some are not? And the ones that aren't doing very well today, it's because you let what happened on the outside leak into the inside. And now, years later, those circumstances have changed. The situation, the events, and the actions are all over now. But the root, that poisonous root, took off inside of you. Take a look at the side screen. Don't allow your past to bleed into your present and pollute your future. I think one of the reasons, the greatest reasons why you and I can never give up is because bitterness is always not far behind, a giving up spirit. Naomi gave up. She goes back to her homeland. She reengages her life in helping her daughter-in-law. And in helping her daughter-in-law, because she reengaged, God blesses her. He digs out of her that root of bitterness, and her joy returns, and she's taken care of all the way in through her old age for the entire rest of her life. Because God and her dealt with bitterness. Take a look at the New Testament. You see 
Lazarus. Lazarus goes home to be with the Lord. He literally dies. And when he dies, Jesus is sent for by Mary and Martha, his sisters. And they say, hey, Lazarus is dying. And Jesus hears about it, and he kind of hangs out where he's at for a while. He doesn't go right away. So he finally shows up after Lazarus is dead. And when he shows up, Mary, who's the one that sat at his feet, remember, she is ticked. This is a woman who's ticked. She doesn't even leave the house. Jesus is here, Mary. Martha runs out to Jesus. Remember, she's the work, worker bee, right? She runs out to Jesus, and first thing she says is, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We sent for you. You knew he was dying, you, and here you show up. If you'd have been, not, hello, Jesus, good to see you. <laughs> Glad you came by. Let me get you something to eat. No, no. She's bitter. She's mad. Mary doesn't even come out. Mary doesn't come out until Martha goes and tells Mary, Jesus is asking about you, and then she runs out. And she says, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus says, uh, show me where you laid him. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Do you think the Son of God, Jesus Christ, did not know where the body of Lazarus was? You think he couldn't have found it on his own? No, but this is what he said. He said, I need you to show me where you laid his body. I need you to take me to the place where you gave up hope. I need you to take me to the place where you quit believing. I need you to take me to the place in your life where you said this could never get better. Take me there, Mary. Martha. Take me there, Mary. So you know the story, they take Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus goes, because this, watch, this, watch what they did. Because they took Jesus, the power of God, matter of fact, let me read it for you on the side screen, this is so good. When you take the power of God to the very place in your life where you find it hard to believe, that thing will ever work again. And when they took the power of God to that very place in their life, where they started to believe that this thing was never going to work again, God changed everything in a moment. But bitter people won't take God there. You know who they will take there? An unsaved coworker. You know who they will take there? A neighbor that doesn't even know God. They'll sit with them for hours and have coffee and talk about how bad their life is. They'll call up somebody that can't help them at all, and they'll go over it and over it and over it. And they'll rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. But when you take the power of God to the place where you said, there's not a good man out there, nobody, nobody's going to treat me right and not lie to me. There's not a person I know that's going to be good to me in this, this life. I, it's too late and I am too old for things to ever get better. The economy, the judge, the, 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 the president, the people that are in, the, the, no, no. When you take God's power to the place where you gave up on something, everything is about to change. So when life is so overwhelming that you want to quit, right, let me let me just let me just, let me just make sure I'm uh, let me just make sure I'm talking to the right people. Has life ever overwhelmed you? Have you ever? Have you ever? Come on now, have you ever just wanted to quit? God, I'm I'm ready. Just take me on home, Lord. Heaven's got to be a whole lot better than what I'm experiencing here. Okay, let me just, have you ever got to a place where you wanted to quit? 
where you just wish it was over, where you just wish it would come to an end, when you have gone through so much that you just want to quit, are you ready for this? Number one, get close. Get as close to Jesus as you possibly can because it was his idea. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. In other words, who have a lot on you. How many of you have a lot on you right now? Would you raise your hand? And I will give you what? Everybody say it. And here's why you got to get close. When you've allowed a root of bitterness because you're about to quit something or have quit something in the past to grow up in you, this is a job for Jesus. This is a job for Jesus. Can, let, let, let me listen very carefully to what I'm say, about to say. I, I've been in ministry now almost 40 years, right? Almost 40 years helping us. Hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands and thousands of people. Now, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I have never been able to help a bitter person. Ever. Because once that root of bitterness gets inside of an individual, that poison root can only be helped by Jesus. Listen to me. This is a job for Jesus. We had a woman that was in our church uh, uh, several years ago, been coming for a long, long time. And um, this was one of the most bitter women that I've ever met. She was unhappy. She was snarky. She was sarcastic. She was negative. Everything that came out of her mouth. And, and every once in a while, I'd walk by her, and I'd, about, about three times, I'd say something to her over, over the time span that she was at our church. I said, man, you know what? You can't, you can't work in this department and contaminate the rest of the people around you with your negative mouth. Okay, pastor, I didn't realize I was doing it. You know, they, they've already told you you were doing it. So don't, don't do that. Two or three months later, it started again. You cannot, hey, sis, listen to me. You cannot work in this area and bring these people down. They're excited to be here. They're excited to be serving God. They're happy. Okay, I didn't know I was doing it. Well, I, I, I told you you were doing it. She did it again, and she did it again. And finally, after all these years of ministering to her, listen to me, she never changed. And finally, I told her the last time I saw her, I said, I don't feel like we can help you. I do not feel like I can help you. And with all the God encounter opportunities you've had in service after service, you've never taken advantage of it for you and Jesus to fix a problem. Listen to me. If you have let the root of bitterness grow up in you, there is not a church, there is not a pastor, there is not a person, there is absolutely no one on this planet that can help you. Only Dr. Jesus can get it out of you. I told this story a while back. Some of you heard it, some of you didn't. But years and years ago when we were on uh, North Avenue, uh, I'd gone through something where, you know, I was treated in a way by people that I just didn't know happened uh, because I'd always been kind of a Mary Poppins kind of a pastor. I didn't know people could act that way. And, and, and I knew they could be ugly, but I never knew they could be ugly toward me. And so, boom, this group of people decided to be ugly toward me. And after they left and after it was all gone, I got angry. And I was unhappy. And for a very short season, I preached angry. And I, guys, that is not even me. I don't preach angry. I don't yell at people. I don't scream. I don't do all, I try to make people laugh if I can. And I, but man, I was like serious. And ba -ba boom, I just wow, and bam, and bam. And you're not getting it, man. I mean, I was just preaching angry. And Anna kind of looked at me kind of funny. And some of my friends said, hey, man, I've noticed on you, you know, you did not sound, are you okay? 
And the truth is, I wasn't okay. And I read everything I could read, and I talked to everybody I could talk to. And then finally, I said, I got to go to the prayer center over in Colorado Springs. So I went over to the prayer center in Colorado Springs, and I got on my face before God, and I sat on the floor, and I took communion, and I prayed, and I wept, and I, I just, God, I, I got to get through this. I don't like what happened on the outside, the fact that it's now on the inside, because the problem is not anywhere near me anymore. But I'm not better. Isn't that interesting? Because I think a lot of people that are bitter think, well, if my situation changes, then the bitterness will go away. No, it won't. That root that got down in you manifest after the problem is gone. And sure enough, I had the opportunity. I called up a buddy of mine, Pastor Mark Coward, surely your brother. And I say, hey, meet me at P.F. Chang's. Let's get a bite to eat. And he says, okay, Hooper, we'll do it. And we're sitting down there. And you know, after a little bit of small talk, he goes, how are you? And I go, dude, I'm struggling. And he said, what's happening? And I start, well, I had these people say, and that person did this, and I tell you what. And he started smiling at me. I wanted to slap the smile off of his face. I thought, you are not feeling my pain and my hurt and my anger and my unhappiness right now. And he just started smiling. He goes, takes out a pen, takes out a napkin, and writes something on it. And, and, and then he says, all right, look, you're going to go straight from here. And he grabbed his cell phone. You're going to go straight from here. You're going to go to John Bevere's office. You know where that's at? And I go, yeah, I know where John's office is. He said, he said I'm going to have something waiting on you. And he called the secretary up over there. He said, whatever her name was, he said, Hooper's coming by, give him the CD pack called The Bait of Satan. And then he leaned over to me, he said, you ever heard it? I go, no. He said, you're not going anywhere else, you're going straight there, do I have to take you? I said, no, Mark, you don't, I got a car, I'm fine. <laughs> he said, straight there, get him, and spend the rest of the day listening to him. So I thought, okay, another sermon series, I know him, I taught him forgiveness, I know about this stuff. I drove over to John Bevere's office. I walked inside. The secretary said, you Pastor Hooper? I go, yes, yeah. you got something for you. Thank you, thank you. Mark said, give them to you. I said, all right, thanks, appreciate it. Tell John hi, bye. I drove down the road just north of Colorado Springs, and I thought, I'm going to pull in Taco Bell and get myself a Diet Pepsi. Pulled in Taco Bell. I'd already put one of the CDs in the car. So yeah, I'm, it's, I'm playing, and I'm going, huh, yeah, yeah, I heard that. I know that. I taught that. Got my Diet Pepsi. Before I could get to the back parking lot, I had tears rolling down my eyes. An hour and a half later, sitting in the back parking lot of Taco Bell, God entered that car with me. And me and God had some business going on. And from that moment forward, I decided I would never live my life unhappy. I would never live my life angry because of what Jesus did for me. That whole thing was bait by the enemy. It had nothing to do with them. And the weird thing about it was it didn't even manifest in me until the problem was months and years past. Wow get close because Jesus is the only one who can fish you. Here's the second one, get real. Once you get close, get real. Jesus, I'm struggling. 
I'm hurting. I don't know that I'm ever going to get married. I'm 27 years of age. I think my life is over. I got so many problems. I'm a single mom. The economy's bad. I can't make enough money. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm about to give up, God, because I don't believe you are big enough to handle this problem. Okay, now you all through with that? Have you got real enough? Okay, now get a grip. Get a grip. The Bible says it this way, and I love it. Give me the verse. We're all going to read this one together. Come on, get it up there. Everybody, come on. So take a new grip with what? And do what? Oh, isn't that something about our God? Our God loves you. He's patient. He's caring. And he knows what you've gone through. And this is what he says. Oh, are you tired? Why you cry, cry? Why you cry? Why you all cry, cry? You're sitting in the corner. Your problem's too big for you. Get a grip. Take a new grip with your what? He knows you're tired. And what are you supposed to do with your weak body parts? And how do you strengthen a weak body part? You move it. You move it. You move it. Last part, take a look at this one. After you get a grip, you back at it. You back at it. Great story in the New Testament. Jesus comes up. He runs into the disciples. He's preaching. They're not his disciples yet. They don't even know that they're going to be. But he says to Simon Peter, the owner of one of the boats, hey, is your boat? Yeah. He said, can I, can I borrow it? Yeah. He said, push out a little bit from it. Sore. So he pushes out. Jesus stands on the edge of the boat starts speaking to the people. Big crowd there. And then after he gets done speaking, he says, go out a little deeper. Simon Peter says, huh? Go out a little deeper. Yeah, okay. Cast your net out. Simon Peter says, what? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, carpenter. Wait a minute. This isn't a wood shop. If we needed to know how to hang a door, I'd call you. We're fishermen. This is what we do for a living. Sometimes you can just know too much. We're fishermen, and we've done that all night long. And we didn't catch a thing. No success. And then Simon Peter says one of the most, the smartest thing he ever said. He said, but because you say so. Do I have that verse? Look what he says. He says, Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but. Say it with me, guys. One more time. But. I what? Will. Anything. Anything. So, so this is what I want you to grasp, the conclusion. The disciples are tired. They've worked at something with no success. They've tried it, and they have failed. And they are exhausted from doing what they thought would work. And they're done with it. And then Jesus says, uh, <clears throat> do it again. Lord, did you not, have you not been watching? Have you not been paying attention? You want me to do the same thing again? Yeah. But this time I want you to do it with one motivation. Because the Son of God just told you to. Well, my emotions told me to do that last time. That's why I met him where I met him. My hunger decided me to work there. That's why I went to work there. 
My ego decided me that I was going to do that. That's why I did that. And God said, okay, I want you to, not based on experience, not based on education, not based on what's happening in the past. You do it this time for one reason only. I told you to. So let me, let me get this straight. You're about to quit, and God says, take a new grip and strengthen what's weak and do it again. You cannot afford to quit. Quitting is a lack of faith. It brings about a root of bitterness that will destroy your future. So God says this, he's patient, he's kind, he's loving, and he will give you a season of rest. He will. He let John, the disciple that Jesus loved, the Bible said, go to the island of Patmos. Have you ever wished that you could just go to the island of Maui and hang out? He let him go there, and then there, watch this, he gave him a writing assignment. Because God will let you rest. He will let you be restored. But then he's going to tell you, get a grip, get back up, and get after it again. When Naomi decided... <clears throat> I'm going to help Ruth with her life. She re-engaged in life. And when she re-engaged, God gave her everything that she needed. A grandson that she raised as her own son. When Mary and Martha gave up, God said, take me to the place where you quit. Right there where you gave up. You thought I wasn't big enough to turn this around, make your dreams come true. God changed everything. Funny story about the disciples. They didn't know they were disciples yet. But when they threw the net out, they caught the bunch of fish. The boat almost sank. The other partners came over with their boats to gather the fish. They pulled them into the shore. And they were all amazed. Whoa, we're so amazed. And Jesus, watch what he did. He said, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. But from now on, you're going to catch men. They dropped everything, left it on the shore, and followed him for the rest of their life. One more do it again can change the whole rest of your life. Would you bow your head with me? Take a new grip and try it again. My heart's broken. My dreams have been dashed. I understand that. Interesting verse in Luke chapter 5. No. It's in Psalm 56. Where the psalmist said, You keep track of all my sorrows, and you collected all my tears in a bottle. I wonder if God knows the tears I've shed, the pain I've felt, the hurt that's come my way. Because I sure would like to talk to him about it, and I need him to know it. Okay, well, if it's important to you that he knows it, 
He knows it. And it's not about the bottle or where it is or doesn't have your name written on it. The psalmist is just talking about the fact that God has seen and recognizes every tear that I've ever shed. And that same God says, bring your weariness to me. I'll give you rest. And then he says, you need to get a new grip. And you need to do it again. Well, I quit on that. I'm never going to never blip. And when you do that, you become so unattractive that you sabotage your future and the relationships of the people you have around you. Get a new grip. God knows how you've been hurt. And do it again. Go for it again. Now, this morning... If this message identified you, nobody's looking. I'm the only one. Camera's on me. If this message identified you as somebody who may have let themselves be contaminated, you better be real with me, with bitterness, anger, and unhappiness, would you please be honest enough to raise your hand? Please. Please. Nah, thanks. Put them down. Now, now listen to me. I can't pray it away from you. I can't preach it away from you. You now are a job for Jesus. That root is ugly, it is deep, and it has grown. And I dare say the problem that caused it and put it there is gone but it's still manifesting in you it is demonic in nature and it has to go and I don't know where you have to go whether it's here now or whether it's in the parking lot in your car or whether it's at the park or whether it's at the back of a parking lot of a Taco Bell with a Diet Pepsi you do not want to be that person who is angry all the time. Father God, we come here to do business with you, and every hand that just raised recognizes that there is a root in them that is causing anger and is causing unhappiness. And it's not going to leave easily, and I'm not going to talk it out of them. They're not going to read something that's going to go away. They're going to have to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with you and they're going to have to realize that it is of the devil and it's demonic in nature that I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. And Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for that wasted time. You are big enough. You're good enough. And you love me. And I am so sorry that I gave up on anything in this life that you, my Father who loves me, wanted me to have because the enemy told me I could no longer have it. I'm sorry. And I love you. And reach into my soul right now and pull out that root and give me back my joy again. Give me back my joy. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.